welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you're listening to. Thank you. Yes, I feel a little bit like a real housewife just holding this drink while we're talking. Yeah, because we actually have drinks today. We do, and they're delicious. They're courtesy of Jess. Yeah, I had to stop at the store to get something for your potluck this evening, and I was like, you know what? We haven't done that in a while, and I saw some cranberry juice, and I thought, "Mm, it's the middle of the day right now. Yes. So cranberry juice mimosa sounded appropriate. They're delicious. Yeah, I haven't had a mimosa in... A long time. Yeah, it's been a minute for me, too. It's been a minute since we've had something on here. Because, you know, just when the mood strikes. Right, right. Like, kind of like once pandemic happened, we weren't recording together. We fell out of the habit. But, you know, we should get back into it. I want to, I'll come up. It was my week to come up with a drink. I'll come up with a drink next time. I mean, I think, like, whenever, whenever, whenever the mood and, strikes yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. But this is also seasonal. Absolutely. And... This week is Thanksgiving. Tomorrow is. is Thanksgiving, the it day is. this comes out. Yeah. Gobble, gobble, motherfuckers, which is a line from that, that turkey movie. That turkey movie. Yeah. Uh, Thanks Killing, I think it's called. Yes. Yeah. We talked about it a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Scaring is sharing. That's their homework. Ooh, I've never yeah. actually seen it, but Please I watch feel like Thanks it, Killing. I think, it's, I think it'd be a fun show for them, even if it's or a movie. I think it's, even if it's not great, mm-hmm. I feel like they would get a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, they they do all sorts of movies. Right. They do good horror movies and entertainingly right. bad horror movies. Like that one's probably more on the side of Devil's Night, Dawn of the Name Rouge. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting the vibe yeah. off of it from. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe it takes place in Lake Orion, too. <laughs> Lake Orion. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts. Actually, no, everything in that movie is so ridiculous. It was all my favorite. Right. Uh, but it is it is the thankful season. Yes. So I just wanted to say I was showing you earlier yes. a map of our, our listenership yes. over the past six months. And it's it's fun to look at those things sometimes because there are listeners all over the world, which is so fun, but also bizarre to say. Yeah. But thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also all over the United States, which is great. Yes. Listeners all over. We love it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like... Still like saying thanks because I'm trying to remember some of those countries. Oh, I like there's Germany, which is Danka. I got the list right here. Danka, Grazie, Gracias, Taxo Miket. Oh, Australia's on there. So, uh, Gadania. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. Gadania. Canada. <laughs> oh, thanks, eh? Uh, you already said the Spanish because we got Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Iceland. I don't think you're going to know though. Oh, I actually do. Because uh, I looked it up because I like, said, um, I think it might just be talk. Or, I, I, I hope you're not swearing at everybody. No, I literally just looked up how to say thanks in Icelandic because I, I tweeted at the Iceland Tourism Board after their like Iceland oh, yeah, the video. video. <laughs> I think I said like, talk Iceland. Thanks for doing what needed to be done. Um, next on list, Russia. Uh, oh. I don't know how to say thanks in Russia, I, I don't think. Switzerland. Do you know the Swiss? Well, Switzerland is French or is Italian. Italian. I know they speak Italian. Mm-hmm. Well, Italy's on the list German. too, so. Well, I said that one. It was grazie. Oh, you did. I didn't yeah. hear that. Okay. Okay. France is on here. Merci. Yeah. Merci, Luca. Uh, Turkey. Do you know the Turkish? Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, that's the country. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I don't know the country. Uh, Pakistan. 
Yeah, again, couldn't. Do you know the Greek? I, uh, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Uh, Seychelles, that's French, I think. Merci beaucoup, yeah. wherever that is. <laughs> Singapore. They speak English there sometimes, so thanks. Malta. Uh, I don't know any Maltese. I don't either. I know a little Armenian. We don't. We we need to get our listenership in, into Armenia. Why doesn't <laughs> Armenians listen? Chemkider. That's I don't know an Ar- Armenian. Oh, oh, interesting. That's the only phrase I know because I had an Armenian great aunt. She wasn't that great. Though. Oh, I just noticed we have listens in Juneau, Alaska. I wonder if that's my friend Selena. Oh, I hope so. Hello. If it is if it Selena, is. hello. If it's not, hello, new friend. Yeah. Uh, and then again, we're, I'm blown away when I look at this. And it's awesome that we have friends all over the United States. Yes. And the world. Yes. So thank we're you. We're still waiting to get some on the space station listen. So we're working mm-hmm. on it. Well, I don't know if our analytics also uh, <laughs> provide that. There's only one way to find out. It's true. You start tweeting at the ISS, be like, hey, we got this podcast. Can you listen to it? We need to test the metric system. <laughs> You're doing science. Do our science, you know? <laughs> I'm sure they'll be on board. Yeah. We'll send them a sticker. Yes. Send it up with Bezos next time he goes, or Bezos. <laughs> yes. But before you were talking, you were talking about Sting on TikTok. We were, because I watched a TikTok of Sting today. Which I love that he has a TikTok. I know. It's... The celebrity TikToks are always so funny to me. I don't follow them as much, but just because TikTok is such a different space. Yeah. No, it's such like a weird hodgepodge and just like Sting because also like when's the, like, the, when's the last time you heard of Sting? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless the song comes on. Right. Yeah. Um, well, he has a new album apparently because that's what yeah. the TikTok was about. Well, it brought up the very vivid memory for me of we had a Sting CD in my house growing up. And that was the whole story. That was the whole story. Which I love. Yeah. Well, like, I, I think a lot of houses might have had a Sting CD growing up. Well, like, I was just like thinking about it. Like, it's kind of like when, like, you know, we grew up in the time before streaming and everything. So, mm-hmm. like, what you had in the house is what you had available. Oh, yeah. My dad had like 300 CDs. Yeah. Something off the wall. I had 200 at one point in time. I have at least 95 in my car currently. I have zero now. No, I, I have one. I have one mix CD. Yeah. Like one burnt mix CD that I did a drawing on the top of that like is randomly in my car. And then I have one Arcade Fire CD because it came with tickets to a concert. Okay. Yeah. I, the two CDs that like, I really, it's just the two CDs I switched between and oh my God. I. So the two CDs mm-hmm. that I keep flipping between in my car is ABBA Gold, which is ABBA's mm-hmm. greatest hits. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. I've heard that in your car. Yep. Then the other CD is Shares. Covering ABBA. Yep. 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 I do Those are the this. only yes. two CDs that I really listen to <laughs> in my car anymore. But yeah, CDs are, they're a dead art. They really are. Um, Unfortunately. So it was just like thinking, like I remember a Sting CD. I remember a Stevie Wonder CD. The okay. one that had my eyes don't cry no more. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's like holding up a mask. I don't recall the cover. I don't think we had either of those in my house. The Sting one, he I remember he was like standing in like an elevator in the front, like on the back. It was just like, I remember his, something weird about his feet. Okay. I remember his feet for some reason. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Also dead thing, VHS tapes. Oh. I actually ordered a VHS tape, VHS tape yesterday. Do you have a machine? Two. 
That's interesting. I'm going to raise you one. I'm going to go Betamax. I am fascinated by Betamax, but I've never seen one in real life. We had a Betamax when I was a kid. I definitely had some Betamax movies. I believe I had uh, the that classic. Because your dad is probably smart enough to know it was the better format. It was the better format. Yeah. yeah. I believe I had Follow That Bird, which is a Sesame Street movie about Big Bird uh, in which he goes into foster care and then oh. he runs away. And then everybody has to go looking for him because they're all family at Sesame Street. And yeah. They are his family. And it's right. A beautiful movie. Yeah. And also, I believe I also had a Rainbow Bright movie where okay. this woman tries to take over a diamond planet by make by kind of hypnotizing these little creatures into weaving a web around this planet because she wants to have the biggest diamond. And then Rainbow Bright comes in and is like, nah, nah, no girl, bitch. get out of here. Yeah. The whole thing. You know, Rainbow Bright always popping in and saying, no, bitch. Yeah. That's what she's known for. Her catchphrase. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Betamax, uh, yeah. I would, if if anybody has a Betamax, please let us know. Yeah. We won't do anything weird. We just want to know. Right, right. Just, I love weird, like, that was a YouTube hole I fell on a couple months ago. It was just like storage formats that no longer exist, like the giant floppy disks, like the 11-inch floppy disks. I was just talking about those at work yesterday yeah. with my coworker. We were talking about floppy disks, and then we ended up talking about, like, then there were, like, the smaller, hard ones, and then they had the zip drive ones. Yes, And zip those. drives were just a chunk. Yeah. I had those in college at uh, Green we, Valley. I remember um, we had a zip disk and a zip disk reader. Yeah, I, I had a zip disk because I needed it for college for yeah. um, some design classes because they were, like, basically graphic design classes. Mm. And... I remember that was like a big deal that the computers in the computer lab had the zip drive or whatever and being like kind of this new technology like, oh, we're not going to use small storage. Uh, They weren't called floppy disks, but this has hundreds of megabytes, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Uh And now we have like little SD cards and actually the the smaller ones, the The micro micro SD cards that hold like I think I have a micro SD card in my switch that's like. 60 gigabytes or 120 gigabytes, something like that. Yeah. No, they're, they're, it's crazy how much that part of technology has yeah. progressed. It's insane. Yeah. But going back to lost technologies. Yes. I have one more to shout at you. Yes. Yes. Laser disc. Yep. <laughs> Those are like the size of, they're like CDs the size of records, basically, right? Mm-hmm. I remember in elementary school, my school got a laser disc player and it was like the thing that, like, because this is back in the days where, when the teacher had to show a video, they would like roll the whole cart and it would have a VHS player and then also a TV on top of it. One of the big TVs. Oh, yeah. And then there was like one or two laser discs and it was like a big deal if your teacher got the laser disc player. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, you know, the hot item to yeah. show stuff on, even though I don't, I, you know, laser discs themselves were kind of expensive because yeah. it was new and different. But then it was this like a CD. If it's scratched, you're screwed. Yeah. It didn't work anymore. Right. So we went from really good technology to really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you still have that problem with Blu-rays where like, if your Blu-ray gets mm-hmm. scratched, mm-hmm. fucked. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a problem because even with like streaming stuff, like. Right. There can it has be to buffer. technical problems. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So. Technology. It's great when it works. Absolutely. When it doesn't, it's the most frustrating thing on the planet. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I get so mad at all of my smart stuff when it does not work. 
Yeah, I get that. I, I have a, I have a growing up memory now. My, my dad worked for a computer company uh-huh. and, but he was used to use doing like large, like network systems and stuff like that, like Unix and yeah, yeah. Linux and stuff like that or operating systems. Mm-hmm. And so he was really good at computer stuff, but he didn't like use a PC that often. Yeah. But we had a PC at home. Uh-huh. He would get so mad at the PC because it didn't function like the big network oh, it's computers. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would get so mad when problems would happen on it. It was kind of hilarious yeah. to see this like very smart. My, my dad's smart and yeah. very smart man. It's like getting unfoundly upset at the computer. Oh, yeah. I remember my dad trying to teach me these computers. Like, why do I have to click twice? I'm like, I don't know, dad. I didn't make the rules. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the kind of stuff that my dad would get mad at. Because yeah. it was like stuff he wasn't used to. And, right. And I mean, it totally made sense and it was fine. But it was also just like, but you're a computer person. Right. My dad is very much not a computer person. Mm-hmm. But he's getting better. He has a smartphone now. Mm-hmm. He's moving up. Yeah, it's funny. My dad with like the normal technology was never... Uh, super just because he wasn't into it that was just not where his focus was and i mean now he has a tablet and yeah yeah uh when i'm talking when i visit or i'm talking to them he's on the tablet half the time and i have to yell at him yeah oh of course (laughs) um can you put that down yeah (laughs) we're watching a movie together the three of us can you please put your tablet devices away (laughs) devices away parents i mean both of them actually my mom too (laughs) they both just sit there on their tablet i'm like why do you have the TV on that? Right. I do it too by myself, but if I'm with somebody. Right. Yeah. I don't. Parents. Am I right? They just don't understand. Thank Another you for that. Another hip reference. Yes. Thank you for that reference. Yeah. Will Smith and uh, D- Jazzy J- DJ Jazzy D- Jeff. Wow. Sure. That's very hard to say. Yeah. That's why we don't know him anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, How about we freshen up drinks real quick and then we get into a story. Love it. We're back. We are back. We're so in sync and we're back. Yeah. Well, I'm going to cut the clap, but yes. Yeah. Uh, Just know that we clapped at the same time just with a look. It was amazing. That was like, right. It's all that clapping we've done at production team. We've done the 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 clap clap game. I don't know what that's called, but. We'll call it the clap game. It sounds like a STD. Yeah. It's not a clap game, but I do have a story. Have you ever heard of the Barrow Gang? The Barrow? Is it B-R-O-O? No, I mean, I don't. I, oh, it's I'm, B-O-R-O-O. Boru. I have not. Uh, definitely at all. And the only reason I was questioning is because I have definitely not. And I'm okay. like, what? Because I have been known to say things incorrectly. So No, never. Sam Hain. Sam Hain, Sam Hain, Sam Hain. Yeah. So this story comes from The Wicked Women of Detroit by Tobin T. Book. Oh, yes. We know her. Yes. <laughs> so let's get into it. Yes, please. So they were a gang in the city in the late 20s, early 30s, founded mm-hmm. by former cop Henry Baru. Okay. And so how did he go from being a cop to being a heist king? I don't know. How did he? So it all started when he started to work for the Central Station's cleanup squad. Oh. Cleanup oh. squad, as it was called. Okay, wait. So not a janitor? Not a janitor. It was a vice unit with an, quote, an illustrious history of graft allegations and inappropriate liaison with the city's madams. 
Okay, so yeah, that tracks. Dirty cops. Yeah. So basically a sketch cop squad. I mean, like most of them in that time period yeah. from what we've read on here. Yep. Uh, According to his wife, Marie, exploring the seedy underbelly of the city had taken its toll on her husband, Henry. She was quoted saying that, quote, he drank occasionally until he became a member of the Central Station cleanup squad. He drank heavily and often remained away from home until late, giving police duties as his excuse. Okay. This, of course, was not true. He had started his life of crime while still working for the Detroit police. Naturally. Yep. That's where you learn. Right, right. It's like training. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you go learn what they do to stop you. Mm -hmm. And then you go do. You 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 do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you you know how not to get caught now. Yeah. So his first jobs were small, like holding up a taxi driver, robbing gas stations. You know, just little, the little things. Yeah. And he described it as being like a narcotics habit. He needed more and bigger jobs to get that same high. Boom. So, okay. Yeah. So this is. So it he, wasn't about like the outcome of the crime. And it, it was about like the actual feeling of committing that's a crime. what it sounds like. Yeah. It's just like he needs like bigger, bigger crimes. The fix. Yeah. So this is when he went over from not like. He stopped knocking over gas stations to robbing the American State Bank for $10,000, okay. which adjusted for inflation is about $162,000 today. That's a chunk of change. Yeah. He apparently did this job with his brother, whom he shorted on his share, which is cold. Mm, like, nasty. Hey, brother, come do this job with me. I'm giving you less money than I promised you, though. Gross. Yeah. We'll talk more about his brothers later because they do come up, but the Baru gang had six members at like its peak, and... Were they all cops? No. Okay. It was just Henry, the cop. Okay. So Henry was at the top, and his two brothers, Thomas and Samuel, made up three of the six. Okay. So his double life did catch up with him in January of 1930 when the department dismissed him for drinking on the job. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the crime. It was the drinking on the job. <laughs> so. I mean, both are a problem. So. Right. Maybe it was one of those things, too, where they couldn't actually, like, pinpoint it but they could get him on the other thing you know what I mean right but he was like "Uh, I guess I lost this cop job thing I guess I'll just be a criminal full time which I do what you love right exactly so we talked about the first three members Henry and his brothers Thomas and Samuel Mm -hmm. so the next member I want to talk about is Leonard Coven I thought you were going to say Leonard Cohen and I was like (laughs) Leonard Cohen Close, but no cigar. Singer? <laughs> no. Leonard Coven, and he began his crime times at the age of 15 when he joined a pair of seasoned thieves on a job where they used dynamite to blow a safe in Minnow, North Dakota. Oh. Either oh, Minot so they're traveling Minot. now. Yeah. Okay. They were all caught. Well, this is like back in the past. This oh, was before. Like, this is, uh, this yeah, is okay. his like background okay. in crime yeah. before he joined the game. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, so that was the, his big like. Yeah, that was his. Why like, he had a name? His like debutante ball of crime <laughs> coming yeah. out his uh, cotillion or whatever. I don't know. All the things. Yes. Yeah. So they were caught, and the two seasoned thieves got twenty to forty years. But since Coven was a minor, like I said, he was fifteen at the time. He got two years in a reformatory. Oh. I love like back in the day they just like added like sanatorium like mm-hmm. you know let's just take a word and add or. Orium or yeah, you know, crematorium. Ori, an ori. ori, yeah. 
so after that, he kind of was quiet, like maybe still doing crime. But in 1928, in December, he was able to weasel out of it, but he did get caught up in an automobile theft charge. Gotta watch uh, your back and right. when you're thieving. Right. So that was the end of 1928. And so he decided, so six months later, he got married in June of 1929. He's like, you know what? I'm married now. I'm going to try and stay on the straight and narrow. Okay. And we're going to leave him there for right now. Bye, Leonard. Yeah. For now. Yeah. Take a seat. We'll come back to you. Uh, the second member I want to talk about, or the next member, this is the fifth member at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is Matthew Cremins. There's not much to say about him right now other than he made his living robbing banks with gangs and he was a member of the Brew Gang. So, remember how I mentioned this was a story from the Wicked Women of Detroit book? I'm sure you have a yeah. question. Yeah, where are the women? Exactly. Here's where Ruth Jones comes in. Ooh. So, Ruth was a native of Canton, Ohio. She ended up leaving Canton and also left her husband, her estranged husband, Everett Jones, and their baby daughter and then moved to the Motor City. That's cold. Yeah. Leaving a husband, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know your story, but oh, leaving baby your daughter. baby. That's yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. So she started off when she got to the city, she started working off at Providence Hospital as a nurse or a student nurse. But she was let go in December of 1929 under allegations of theft based on linens being missing. Those linen thieves. I know. You gotta watch for them. I know. She stole those linens, apparently. Allegedly. They must have been nice linens. I doubt it, but sure. (laughs) So linens were gone. She got fired from Providence Hospital. Remember this fact. Okay. Remembered. Yes. So sometime along the way, she met Kremens. And they started dating. Naturally. And this is when she started getting involved in a life of crime, organized crime. I was going to say, she was already a criminal. Yeah, stealing those linens. Yeah. And leaving her baby. Yeah. Which isn't really a crime. I don't know. It's a dick move. Yeah. So she went from being a dick to being a crime, to being a crime, to being a criminal. Now she's an organized criminal. Yes. So... This ended up leading to adultery, too, just to add to her rap sheet. Oh, because she wasn't divorced. Nope, not on her side. Okay. So, Kremens was excited about his hot new girlfriend and decided to bring her around the gang to show her off. And this <laughs> is when... Sounds uh, <laughs> gross. Yeah. I mean, it was the ni- early 1900s. Guys were like, let me show off this hot bitch I got. Uh, I mean, people st- do that now, but it's a lot grosser. Yeah. It's a lot less impressive now because people are like, ew. Yeah. Like, you're gross. She's cool, but you're gross. Yeah. But this was a big mistake huge on his part because Coven, who uh, tried to go straight six months, you know, he just got married. He's like, I'm trying to, you know, whatever. But he ended up meeting Ruth through this and they fell for each other. Uh, Ruth dumped Kremens and began an affair with Coven, who would then... What? I said, oh, God, that's yeah. just like that's a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. So she went from dating a criminal to dating a criminal who was married. And that affair would go on until Coven would leave his wife on Valentine's Day, 1930. Uh-huh. Did she the leave child. him after that? Because I feel like she's going to leave him now because I feel like she's into the rush. Um, and not the reward or we'll whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're good. You're good. So... 
after he left his wife, they moved out of the house that they shared, and he moved in with the Baru brothers. Okay. So that's starting getting more involved with the gang. Yeah. So also at this time, Ruth was living with a woman by the name of Edith Kaspuppies. Nope. Kaspuppies? Edith. Let's call her Edith. Edith. She's the only Edith in the okay. story. C. C. Edith C. Yeah. So she was living with Edith at 620 Peterborough Street. And through this connection, Edith Boothang, so it didn't really say what he was to her, but just Edith, Edith's man, mm. Ralph Benham became the sixth member of the Baru gang. Okay. So there's the six members of the gang all in a row. Okay. I love that she got brought in by another person and then she brought in another person. Right. So this is when their high profile hit started happening. Okay. The book alludes to the fact that they were behind a robbery on February 10th, 1930 of the Bank of Michigan on the corner of Puritan and Wyoming. Mm -hmm. There weren't a ton of details given about this other than they got $5,542 out of it. Okay. Less than a week later, there was a robbery at a hospital, Providence Hospital to be direct, exact. Reports claim it was a, quote, unseasonably warm February 16 morning when an unmasked man entered the lobby of the hospital. It was 6.50 a.m., the time Sister Mary Rosario paid to the hospital staff. She saw a man in the corner of the lobby on the other side of the raw iron gate that separated the lobby from the office where payroll was happening. She then saw him reach over the gate and unlock it. And this was apparently sus AF mm-hmm. because the lock on the gate was like a special lock that was like kind of complicated and really, unless you were familiar with it, you couldn't unlock it, let alone that easily from reaching over the gate, you know? Yeah. So he fought her for the tin box that was the payroll for the hospital. He got it and he ran like straight out the lobby onto Wabash Avenue, hmm. which the nurses also noticed like he knows this hospital. He knew he knew what was going on a little too. So they were kind of like, this had to have been some kind of inside job. Mm-hmm. And it was a clean job. The police had little else to go off of other than there seemed to be an inside informant providing the gang with intel on how best to knock over the hospital. Mm-hmm. So. Fast forward, like, not even two weeks later. It's the 28th of February, it's the end of the month now. Mm-hmm. The hospital was hit again. Oh, wow. Imagine yeah. that. So two men cornered another Sister Mary, this time Sister Mary McCormick, because if you've met nuns, half of them are named Mary. It's Sister Mary something, yeah. Sister Mary whatever. Sister Mary Clarence. Yeah. Sister Harry Mary was uh, at the haunted house I worked in. Oh. It was a man dressed up as a nun, so they called her Sister Harry Mary. Cute. Yep. So Sister Mary McCormick was taking the tunnel from the nurse's home to the hospital. And the two men cornered her in this tunnel, and they demanded the payroll. But luckily, Sister McCormick did not have it, so they left empty-handed. Okay. The police, specifically Inspector William J. Collins, started to ask the sisters about any potentials for an insider. Ruth Jones's name came up with conflicting reasons for why she was let go. Sister Mary Rosario, the first nun, claimed it was because they found out she was married, which was true. Oh, okay. And, you know, nuns notorious for not being married. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a rule. They're married to the church or whatever. I don't know. I think they're married to, to God. I think that's that's the, the line. Yeah, sure. God, church. They're married to someone who's not a human. Yes, correct. 
the other rumor going around was that she stole linens. So it was either she was married or she stole linens. Terrible. Either way, she was fired. Okay. And they also mentioned that two days before this second attempted robbing of the hospital happened, Ruth had phoned up the hospital to ask about the payroll dates. Wow. Smooth. Well, this is how she was like, this was her excuse. She claimed that one of the nurses owed her money and that she wanted to know when she could expect payment. Which sounds like the nuns bought at the time. But why wouldn't you just ask that person who owed you money? Right. When is your payday? I will see you then. Right. So she was playing games. So the gang would wait about another month before they struck again on March 22nd of that year. So we're still in 1930. Is this the hospital again? No. Okay. This time it was the Ohio Bank and Trust Company. I know. At this point, they're probably like, well, I think we got all the money the hospital has. Let's just, they decided to go to Toledo and get the Ohio Bank and Trust Company. Okay. Because the Michigan one had already worked for them. Right, right. So at this job, they had scored $7,022 in cash. They had managed to leave no evidence. Like the cops were like, it was almost as if ghosts had done it because it was that good. Wow. That heist went well, but their next one would be their downfall. Mm-hmm. On April 3rd, the first national bank branch at Woodrow Wilson and Glendale Ave was hit, which I didn't know we had a Woodrow Wilson. It might not be here anymore still, but at the time mm. we had a Woodrow Wilson. It might be one of those ones that either the name changed or it changes halfway through or something too. So it's yeah. like just a small. Because I've heard of Glendale. Yeah. But not Woodrow Wilson. Although, I don't know where the road is. I couldn't tell you where Glendale was. I'm thinking of Glendale, California when I hear the word Glendale, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, there was a first national, first national, first national branch there, and they got $2,558. The problem was this time that their getaway car was found at the intersection of Dexter Boulevard and Elmhurst Ave, where they found out that one of the thieves had taken a cab to a boarding house. The police went to said boarding house and they didn't find anyone there, but they did find a shirt with a laundry tag with the name Leonard Coven with an address. Hmm. If you're a criminal, Mm -hmm. maybe don't put your name and address in your clothing. Or, or I'm assuming he picked it up from the cleaners like that. Take it off. Yeah. Something. But they found that and they're like, okay. So they went to the address. They did not find Coven, but they did find a framed picture of a nursing student that was identified by the Providence Hospital staff as none other than Ruth Ruth Jones. Yep. They then went to the house that Ruth shared with Edith, who were also not home, but they found out that Edith had a bulldog. (laughs) Which is an (laughs) important... Yeah. No, it's just... (laughs) I'm just imagining, like, the dog attacking them now or something, like... Well, like protecting Edith. Right. Yeah. No, so the, they found out that she had a bulldog and the two women, they actually found the two women out walking the dog and they were both taken into custody on April 5th. What happened to the spring. dog? I don't know. Probably Aww. left at home. I know. The dog was innocent. Yeah. So Jones, Ruth Jones, didn't really put up much of a fight during the interrogation and basically just started telling the cops everything. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The cops noticed that Ruth, like, had the look of simultaneously innocent and mischievous. hmm And she initially downplayed her role in the crime, saying that she was more of a bystander or a cheerleader watching from the sides. Mm-hmm. 
The evidence said otherwise. It seemed more that she had come up with the plans, especially for the jobs at Providence Hospital. Like, remember how the first thief knew the complicated lock a little too well? Yeah. I mean, how to get out of there a little too well? Had to be her. Right. So, Inspector Collins had a theory that the two women were aiding the men by casing the targets. If it was a bank, they would go and open an account there and study the interiors of the bank and report it back to the finding report back their findings to the men. Okay. During questioning, Ruth claimed that she had nothing to do with the first robbing of the hospital, but she did admit to helping plan the second, but only the second, conveniently where nothing was stolen. Remember how they didn't get anything that time? Yeah. And not the one where they got into the lock that Right. Yeah. So she even went as far to say she didn't even think about hitting the hospital until after she saw the news about the first attempt. Mm-hmm. She claimed that she got the payroll information, drew up a diagram of the hospital, and gave it to Coven, who led the heist. And for this, she was to receive a third of the cut. Okay. Edith was questioned too, but she had much less to share. She vehemently denied any wrongdoing other than just keeping quiet about the crimes. She was quoted as saying, I knew what was going on all the time, but was too afraid to take part. I had nothing to do with any of the holdups. I mean, based on the information that you have, that seems kind of plausible. Yeah. And it was just kind of like I can her underst- boyfriend got involved. Yeah. I can understand her fear of She's like, oh, this is above me. I'm just going to kind of like. Chill. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not great. But, it's not good. But. Right. It's not right, but it's okay. It's not right. But it's okay. I just wanted to make that Whitney Houston reference. It's not that okay. <laughs> so they really didn't have any evidence against Edith. So they let her go, but kept Ruth as a material witness as they brought in Kremens and Coven. Kremens mm-hmm. and Coven both gave lengthy confessions where they named the Anderson brothers as co-conspirators with Mr. Anderson being the ringleader. Hmm. I'm sure you're thinking, who the fuck are Anderson? Yeah, we haven't heard that name. Coven would be the one to answer that question, and it was the alias of former Detroit cop Henry Baru. Oh, interesting. So he was going by Anderson at this point. Okay. Which and is so were his brothers. Named. Yeah. So it was interesting how news sources inside and outside the city handled the story. The city newspapers were quick to make Henry Baru the poster child for the corrupt Detroit department. Well, with a list of Prohibition-era crimes longer than Woodward Avenue. (laughs) Outside the city, however, newspaper played up the idea that the crime ring was led by two women. Like the Mount Pleasant Daily Times ran an article with the headline, Women Named Brains of Gang, while an Ohio newspaper declared Ruth Jones the Queen of Bandits. Wow. So I just thought it was interesting. Like In the city, they're like, Henry Brew, crooked cop, how dare he? Outside the city, like, Look at these girl bosses leading this crime mm-hmm. ring. Can you believe it? Can you believe these dumb bitches? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. how they talked. That's exactly how they talked in the 30s. Did we go back in time? I know. So now the question remained, what was going to happen to everyone? Yeah. So Henry Baru admitted to 14 robberies, 13 with his brother Thomas, and one with his brother Samuel. Wow. I'm wondering if Samuel was the one he shorted because that's why he only did one with him. Like, if you're going to short me, I'm not doing this anymore, you know? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Right. 
In his final statement to the judge, Henry asked the judge to go easy on his brothers because he had been the one to lead them into a life of crime. Quote, I am responsible for them going into the stick-up racket. Mm -hmm. The judge was like, well, you all still did the crime, so he sentenced them. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. As he should. Yeah, they were found guilty. Samuel, like I said, the one who did the one crime, uh, we got five to 20 years. Thomas, the middle brother, or the other brother, got 15 to 30 years, and Henry himself got 20 to 40. Okay. The other men went to trial after the brothers, and Ruth testified that Cremens had been the man in the first hospital robbery, with Coven doing the second one, with Cremens as the getaway vehicle. Cremens got one to 10 years at Jackson. Coven, who was also charged for being at the first national robbery, got seven and a half to 15 years. And despite how much she sold them out, all of the gang exonerated Ruth in their testimonies. What? Yeah. That's so bizarre. Yeah. So it didn't mean the suspicions were off of her. She did manage to evade any arrest warrants and was ultimately not charged with anything of her involvement. What? Yeah. (laughs) That is ridiculous. Like, to this day, we don't know if she was just an informant, if she was the actual mastermind, like, how big of a role, because they really didn't pursue it. They didn't have Mm -hmm. enough to, like, take her in on anything, so they just kind of were like, well, all right. And I mean, not that we have this evidence, but it, it just sounds like she was a bit more involved. Oh, absolutely. She did, however, vow to wait for Len, Leonard, Mm -hmm. no matter how long it took. Or rather, how much time she had bought him behind bars. So romantic. Wow. Yeah. What a love story there. Right. <laughs> and that is a story of the Baru gang. Wow, that's interesting. Right? Definitely never heard any of that. Right. thought it was an interesting one of the Wickham of Detroit because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, I tell a little different in the book, so I thought, like, I kind of thought it was fun to bring Ruth in halfway because you're like the whole time you're thinking like, where's the woman? Where's the yeah, woman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely but, was. And I was like, he did say Wicked Women. He didn't get like another one because I know there's a few from yeah, that yeah. series because I have the Wicked Men or whatever. I yeah. Know, which is mostly politicians in that one. <laughs> but. Yeah. I love that though. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that was very interesting. And thank you. Yeah. No problem. We need some girl boss, girl boss, queen energy, robbing them banks. And then getting away with it. Yeah. (laughs) Getting absolutely nothing. Right. For doing something pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, she was not a great woman from the sounds of it. No, I mean, I'm still very mad at her for leaving her baby behind the most out of everything. But uh, the other things were dick moves, too. So. Yeah. We don't stand. No, not at all. That Ruth. Nope. Other Ruth. Maybe. Case by case basis. Yes. Ruth by Ruth basis. Yes, exactly. We'll get to the Ruth of it. I want the whole Ruth and nothing but the Ruth. Exactly. Well, that was wonderful. Would you like to play a game? I absolutely would. Monopoly? I'm just kidding. Uh, Now I was thinking Parcheesi. Uh, okay, okay. Right now. I love those are the two games. I feel like whenever someone jokes about yeah. board games, it's Monopoly and Parcheesi. Sometimes Checkers comes up, I feel like. But yeah, okay. I think it is usually Monopoly. I th- I've well, never played Parcheesi. Have you played Parcheesi? When I was really little, could not tell you how to play, though. Like, yeah. do not remember it's any kind of, of it. sorry, I think. Yeah, maybe. Is it too late now to say sorry? Thank you for that. No problem. But yeah, this game is different. 
Yes. Uh, and I am sticking with the theme of Thanksgiving a little bit here. Okay. Your two truths and a lie is actually about what I brought for your potluck. Okay. Potatoes. Okay. Everyone loves potatoes. Potatoes are delicious. Right. Fact number one. Potatoes were first grown in South America. Okay. Fact number two. The top selling potato worldwide is actually the sweet potato. Okay. And fact number three. Potato chips were invented by mistake. Number one is the lie. Number one is true. Damn. Yeah. Inca Indians in Peru were the first to cultivate them around 8,000 to 5,000 BC. Well, so how'd they get long to ass Ireland? Time. Well, it made its way. I have that okay, too. Okay. It made its way to Europe on Spanish conquistador ships. Okay. Around 1570. But they were mainly used to feed livestock at that time. It wasn't really a human food. Okay. It wasn't until 1662 that the Royal Society in England started to cultivate them. But they wouldn't actually start eating them for another hundred years or so. In 1795, they finally took root. See what I did there? Uh, eh, as a as food on tables. In the United States, they didn't make their way to Idaho until missionaries moved west and started to plant them around 1836. And it would take about four decades for them to really start to flourish. Okay. Yeah. I just thought they were worldwide, like, automatically. Right. I had no idea. Do you want the other two again? I'm going to go with number two is a lie. I think number three, the potato chips... As a mistake, I feel like I remember talking about that in the pota- in the Better Made episode. Oh, okay. Uh, you are correct. Number two is the lie. The top-selling potato worldwide is not the sweet potato. And the reason is because a sweet potato is not actually a potato. It actually belongs to the Morning Glory family. And oh. they're actually just swollen roots. I mean, that's kind of what potatoes are, too. They're, both, they're, all, they're all root vegetables, right? They are, but I think it... Yeah, but it, different, the, different family. Different the way family. the top of it grows... Yeah, I think is more related to the the morning glory glory family, which I wrote down the scientific name, convolvulaceae. tight. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So yes, potato chips were made by mistake, and I'm sorry if you did mention this before, but I oh no, you know, they, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I remember reading it somewhere. Okay. In 1853, a chef named George Crumb actual name Crom uh-huh. was the head of a kitchen at Carrie Moon's Lake House in Saratoga, New York. Okay. And this is a place where the railroad mogul Cornelius Vanderbilt Ooh. liked to dine. And oh, Corny V. Corny V. And Corny V didn't like his potatoes thick cut. And one day he sent them back to the kitchen because they were too thick. These potatoes are too thick. Mm-hmm. And Crom was too very annoyed by this. Yeah. And so he sliced them as thin as he could and fried them with lots of oil and added some salt. Vanderbilt loved them and the potato chip was born. Corny V <laughs> bringing about innovation on his railroads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I have some more potato fun facts. Yes, please. It was the first vegetable grown in space. Okay. NASA and the University of Wisconsin partnered in 1995 to send seed potatoes up to space on the shuttle Columbia. Okay. In 2004, NASA started using a Chinese technique to make them re- to make them grow in a chamber, which they called those potatoes quantum tubers, and that is trademarked. Love it. The world's largest potato chip crisp uh-huh. is on exhibit at the Potato Chip Museum in Idaho. Of course. And it was produced by the Pringles Company in Jackson, Tennessee in 1990. Well, that makes me think it's not one single potato. It's because the like, Pringles are like, Potato mush pushed into that shape, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
that's why I think why it says largest potato chip crisp. That makes sense. Yeah. But it measures 23 inches by 14 and a half inches. That's pretty potato chip. Yeah. Going back to before the Incans, potatoes were more than just food. Inkland lore said that if you carried one with you, it could prevent rheumatism or soothe a toothache. And raw potato was also used to treat things like broken bones, uh, easing frostbite, and clearing up blemishes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The word potato actually comes from the Spanish word patata, and it came around in the 1950s. The word patata actually stemmed from the Caribbean batata, which means sweet potato. Okay. So even though they're not actually... They're related in name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. China's the world's largest producer of potatoes. Okay. Which Inter- I yeah. found interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know it's like... I've seen dishes, but I mean, Ireland's small, so I guess you wouldn't necessarily think Ireland. I don't know where I would. Th- I would think the U.S., honestly. Yeah, I would have, I would have guessed the U.S. too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, when you think Chinese cuisine, you don't think potatoes too often. I mean, I think I can think of it in some dishes, but like. Yeah, it, it's a once in a while thing, but yeah. not a consistent thing. Yeah. Potato blossoms used to be a big hit in royal fashion. Ooh. Potatoes first became fashionable when Marie Antoinette paraded through the French countryside wearing potato blossoms in her hair. Okay, of course it was Marie Antoinette. Yes. Thomas Jefferson gets credit for introducing French fries because he served them at a White House dinner. Okay. In 1974, an Englishman named Eric Jenkins grew 370 pounds of potatoes from one plant. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. And my potato facts came from foodrepublic.com, idahopotatomuseum.com, which is in Blackfoot, Idaho. Okay. And facts.net. Love it. Love the potatoes. I do love a potato. I usually don't buy them because I love them. Fair. And I would just have potatoes all the time. Yeah, I get that. They're deli- I'm, I've never had a potato just, I've never had a potato dish that I'm like, I don't like this. I've had a few. Oh, it's just bad potatoes. Well, I guess, okay. I guess I shouldn't say. I probably, there's, right. yeah, but a few and far I had between. Preparation of yeah. potato. There's no preparation of potato that I've ever had that I'm like, this is bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't really like potato salad. That's my, that's where I draw the line. I don't like it as much. Yeah. I got, uh, some of them are not bad. Yeah. It's not a go to for me, but like add a barbecue, I'll throw some on my plate. Definitely a little pickier about it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. I'd rather have a warm potato situation. Yeah. And like French fries are okay. I love a French fry. I've had fantastic ones and there are really, really good ones, but I'm not like all French fries are great. I'm like, "Hmm." what, like, what, what's your ideal fry? Like, do you like a steak fry, like a shoestring, like curly fry, like a waffle fry? I do like a curly fry a lot. That will always, that will always get me. I used to like waffle fries a lot. I'm not like I don't like them, but I don't. I like sweet potatoes for waffle fries. I don't like sweet potatoes that much. Fair. Which is sad because they're actually really good for depression. Damn. There's some chemical in them that's good for, and maybe anxiety too. I can't remember. You guys should try eating more of those. Mm -hmm. And they're like way healthier. So I do eat them sometimes, but I'm not like excited by a sweet potato. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps us like a baked potato. Am I oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Twice, oh, yeah. twice baked. Twice baked. You got to put baked. the dairy and cream cheese in it. Yeah. The you got to put it back in. Yeah. That oven there. Yeah. Fill it with more dairy than put it in the deck in the oven. But yes, we are wrapped like that twice baked potato. Yes. You put it back in the oven. You cook you it twice. You put it back. Yeah. Once is not enough. No. Thrice baked potato. Oh, yeah. Just keep baking it. <laughs> 
But if you want to find us on our social media, it's at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. And you probably know the drill, but if you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon, Detroit Strange. We've also got our Threadless shop with some merchy merch. I'm not going to say Merch. (laughs) With some merch in it. Subscribe, rate, review. It's free. Do it. Yeah. Also, I mean, a review on Apple Podcasts is always super helpful. Yeah. Especially a five-star one. We would love that. And I also just want to say, I hope you have a, a nice, a nice holiday, whatever you are doing. Yeah. And, you know, even if it's just a day, a day, just make it a great day. Yeah. And we're thankful that you're here. Absolutely. It's cheesy, but I love it. And thank yeah. you for being here. Cheesy like the potatoes we're going to have later. Yeah. Mm, like yeah. a cheesy potato. I love a cheesy potato. Same. But until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.